You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. I want to I want to jump right into the scriptures here. Obviously, I, I abbreviate my message just a little bit uh, on these Sundays, but we want to continue with our study in Isaiah chapter nine and verse six. As we now uh, are in the third message of this single verse. Now, one of the things I think that we should uh, practice is scripture memory. And when you spend one Sunday on a, uh, uh, rather four Sundays on one verse, it seems that it should be only natural for us to say, you know what? After four Sundays in one verse, we should be able to memorize that verse. What do you say? Don't you think that'd be good? So let's put the verse on the screen and let's go ahead and see how well you can do. Don't look on your notes. Don't look in your Bibles. Don't cheat. No cheat sheet here, all right? Now, I'm going to have you help me, class. Okay, let's see how we're doing. Next week, we'll do it again. But let's see today if we can't memorize Isaiah 9, 6. Here we go. For unto us a is born, to us a is given, and the government shall be upon his, and his name shall be called... My, I, I messed up. Let me, and his name shall be wonderful, mighty, everlasting, prince of... Oh, you guys did much better than the first service. Oh, man. This is the smart service, right? I messed it up. Great job. We'll do it next week and take even more words out. And what a challenge it would be to have a Christmas memory verse every year. And uh, just the beginning of great things when it comes to Scripture memory. Well, we've been in this verse... Uh, for now these uh, three weeks, today three weeks, and we're going to look at those bold, the, the bold capital letters in, in the scripture verse before you. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called. Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. Well, Isaiah was the greatest of all prophets. And uh, I think the way that we come to that conclusion, or there's so many different counselors and uh, rather uh, theologians and those that write concordances have kind of stated that he's the greatest prophet. Because in the book of Isaiah, the greatest scriptures regarding Christ are mentioned in that, in that book. In fact, a thousand years before Christ was born, we find dozens of scriptures that Isaiah the prophet said... Uh, that were prophetic and that were fulfilled in the life of Christ. So let's jump right in this morning and let's begin with this thought. All right, here it is. Names are very important. Amen. Names are very important. His name shall be what? Called. His name shall be called. When you call somebody out by their name, that's kind of a big deal. It really is. It's kind of a big deal when you, you know, when you call somebody out. Right, Brother Raz? Yeah. Uh, right, 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 Brother Wesley? Yes, sir. All right. We call them out by name. Right, Brother Scott? Amen. Something special about that. I mean, you just feel significant. Somebody remembered my name. And, and it's a challenge as a pastor to, to remember everyone's name, especially on the spot. But I work at that because I know names are very important. When you call somebody's name out, it indicates that you know them. It indicates there's a connection between you and between them. Names are popular. What are the most popular names of the year 2018? Would you like to know? I took some time to kind of give you that information here today. 2018, the top names for boys. Number one, you ready? Interesting. The number one name in 2018 for a boy was Jackson. 
All right. We'll give Jackson a hand there. All right. What about number two? Liam. Number two name for boys in 2018. The third name was Noah. Aha. Uh-huh. We've got a Noah in our church, right? Where's Pam? There she is. All right. We've got a Noah. Amen. What about the top three names for the girls? Here it is. Number one, most popular name for a girl, 2018. Give it up for Sophia. I like it. Number two was Olivia. And number three was Emma. Now, what are celebrities naming their kids? Well, I don't know these people. A Kim, hard to pronounce this last name, Kardashian. Sonia knows her well. Sonia knows her well. Kim Kardashian and and a a Kanye... West named their kid Chicago. I don't think we're doubting where he was born. All right, Chicago. What about a Kate Von D. Leifer? Oh my, Leifer. I'm not sure about that. All right. And then years ago, a Hollywood actor, Rob Morrow, named his daughter Two. Two Morrow. Yeah, that's that's like a life sentence for that kid. You know. Oh man. Whew, names are very important. Well, I'm, I'm kind of proud of the Capaci track record here. We've got Matthias, and we call him Mo. He's our, he's our firstborn. Then we've got Josiah, our secondborn son. We call him Joe. And then there's Ezekiel. We call him Zoe. And then Chloe, we call her Chloe. And then Glorianne, her nickname is Glow. So it's Mo, Joe, Zoe, Chloe, Glow, let's go. <laughs> and we ain't having no Mo. <laughs> and that's for sure. All right? So, anyway, you know, names are important. I love Proverbs 22 and verse 1, where the Word of God says that a good name, a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. A good name is worth more than silver. A good name is worth more than gold. We're going to be visiting my dad in New Orleans for a couple of days next week, just just, uh, Thursday night and Friday night. We'll be back for the weekend. When you walk in my dad's house, and my kids see this, and I love it that they see it, it's very unique. But when you walk in this house, here's a picture of, of their wall, and I can't see it that well, but I want to explain it to you. It's a framed picture of all the names of all of their children and their grandchildren. It starts off with the name Capaci, and, and then it's got, you know, my dad and my stepmom and what their names mean, and then their five children and what their names mean, and then their children's children and what their names mean. Why? Because names are important. Growing up, my dad would always say, Eric, you're a Capaci. That name has means something. It ought to mean something to you. That name is very, very important, son. I want you to live up to your name. The reality is when people hear your name, they think something. It's just the reality of it all. Your name communicates something. In fact, uh, here a couple of weeks ago when we went to Philadelphia, we were going through the, uh, you know, the security line and Ezekiel was checking in and showing his, his, uh, his, you know, ID and, and the person that was uh, looking at his ID quickly just said, as he looked at it, Capaci. And Ezekiel told me this as he came out. He said, yeah, that's my name. He said, do you know a Louis Capace? And Ezekiel didn't know Uncle Louis Capace. That's my uncle. And my, my, his mother just passed away last week, 102 years old, Aunt Mary. So Uncle Louis Capace, he said, that was my pharmacist in New Orleans when I lived there. He said, did you know you had a great uncle that was a pharmacist? 
And my, Zoe came out of that line and said, Dad, who's Louis Capace? I said, that's, that's, that's my uncle. He's a pharmacist. He said, yeah, the guy told me he was. <laughs> and his, he, he, has a big, he had a big sign out for years, Capace Pharmacy. And we used to always say, Dad, can we drive by the sign that says our name on it? It was just so cool in New Orleans to have our name in lights on Veterans Boulevard in New Orleans, Louisiana, because names are important. Number two. The second thought I have for you is this. Jesus' name is the most important of all. His names are the most important of all. His name shall be called. In fact, this morning, without even realizing, our choir sang the names of Jesus. In every song, there was a name describing who Jesus is. But maybe nobody's done it better than the great Baptist preacher of years ago, S.M. Lockridge, the old black preacher. Listen to this as he talks about the name. Of God. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know him. My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. 
How do you like that, huh? That's Rocky. All right. Yes, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, a mighty... Amen. Okay. And uh, I, I don't have it in me, but I'm trying to get it in me. Don't you wish today we could have a black preacher preaching like that this morning? Wasn't that something? I love it. And that's the name of my king. He's all those things and he's so much more. And if you didn't get excited about that, there is something broken in your excitement. I guarantee you, there is nothing more powerful than hearing a description of Jesus. It's limitless, it's endless, it is, it is all throughout the Bible, it's in every worship song that we sing. In the New Testament we find that we're saved by His name. In Acts chapter 2 and verse number 42, and there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. We find out that we're baptized in his name. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, the Bible says we're baptized. Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. In Acts 3, 6, we find that we are healed by his name. It says, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. We're healed by his name. We find out that they suffered for his name. They suffered for his name. Scripture says in Acts chapter 5 and verse number 40, and when they called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus. Oh, they spoke in the name of Jesus and they suffered for that. It also said that they were willing to die for his name. In Acts 21 and verse 13, it says, when Paul answered, what are you doing weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die. In Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how awesome his name is. We're saved by his name. We're baptized in his name. We're healed by his name. We suffer for his name. And prayerfully all of us here today would be willing to die for his name. Jesus is the most important name of all names. Number, number three, this thought. His name is Wonderful Counselor. Now, upon some further study challenged by a church member, there is no comma there, so it is not wonderful, comma, counselor. Not at all. These, all these names for God are couplets. They go together. They're describing here wonderful counselor. It, not to say that he's not wonderful, he is, but that's not what it's teaching us here. It's not teaching that he's wonderful. It's teaching us that there's, there's, there's a counselor and it's describing how great a counselor he is. He is a wonderful counselor. Now take, take a moment, just dive into that with me. Think about it now, this Christmas. The wonderful counselor that Jesus provides is through believers that are immersed in the scriptures and in community with other believers. In other words, get this, good decisions are made with plurality. Good decisions. A whole lot of people ruining and wrecking their lives because they're making decisions all by themselves. And that's not the way that God intended it to be. God is the wonderful counselor. And he provides so many benefits for us. I, I know that it saved my life when I found out that the model for, for, the, for really biblical church leadership is not for a pastor to make all the decisions and to lead in some sort of a dictatorial way. 
but rather for there to be a plurality of leaderships. The word elders is found in the Bible, plural, over and over again, mentioning the fact that no pastor can single-handedly lead a congregation and no pastor needs to because of the importance of accountability. So therefore, there are pastors now in churches that are finding out this biblical model in Scripture. And it's so important for all of us not to live our lives in our own wisdom, all alone, with no accountability. We're seeing that crash and burn across our country in churches, in businesses, and in families. Let me give you four benefits of counseling. If Jesus Christ is the wonderful counselor, what are the benefits? Well, number one, first of all, you must yield to God's will. This is so important for us to understand. And maybe the best way for us to understand that is is the next note that's in your notes, and that is this. You have to decide that you want what God wants more than you want your way. That's yielding to God's will. You decide that you want what God wants more than you want your way. To be completely honest with you this morning, that's why today I am a pastor. This is not what I wanted. It's what God wanted. I told the story yesterday at the retirement center. I, uh, the fact that when I was 15 years of age, man, I had, I had my way. My, my grandmother had her way. My dad had his way for me. But, but God had another way. When it, on a Wednesday night, when I walked that aisle and surrendered my life, I, I walked up to my pastor, Glenn Riggs. I took his, his hand and I let him know that that evening I knew without any shadow of a doubt that God was calling me to preach, to be a preacher of the gospel for the rest of my life. I knew that. I mean, I was sure of it. And it wasn't what I wanted, but I knew it was what God wanted. And I, at that moment, as a young 15-year-old boy, I, I yielded myself to the will of God. He asked me if he thought, you know, I, I would be okay with him announcing it to the audience. And I told him I, I would like to do that. And so he turned me around and he put his arm around me and he drew me in close. He was a big guy, much bigger than I. And Dr. Riggs looked at the church that Wednesday night, just to a handful of people in a little Baptist church. And he said, tonight, Erica Pacey, 15-year-old young man, comes and surrenders his life to preach the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the highest calling in the world. He said, if Eric were to be the president of the United States of America, he'd have to step down from the calling of being a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Man, by the time he got finished with introducing me to the church, I mean, my shoulders were back. I thought, good night, what have I done? I'm a preacher. I've surrendered. A few years later, Philip Gilmore, a man in our church, had invitations to hear President, at the time, George Bush, speak in Little Rock. And there were 300 tickets to this private invitation. And he was a, 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 a CEO of a hospital and had a couple of these available tickets because he was going to speak on health care. And so he invited this pastor to go with him and another friend. We went. We go to this meeting to hear the president speak. I'd never done that before. Haven't done it since. It's pretty cool. So we walk in and, you know, I've always been good with meeting people. But when it comes to somebody that's famous, you know how they say the rich and famous. I don't know. I just, I just kind of, I like to be in the back. I don't know what it is about people that, you know, if I see somebody famous in the airport, I just don't feel comfortable approaching them. I know it's just part of my DNA. I don't know what it is. You'd think I'd be different. So this guy that was with me said, hey. Uh, the president is speaking. Let's go shake his hand. And I said, no, no, I'm good. I don't want to really shake his hand. You know, I I don't want to get that close. He said, oh, come on, man. This is the president of the United States of America. 
I said, I'm good. He said, well, I'm going to go shake his hand. I said, well, I'll get a picture of you shaking his hand. So I got a picture of this gentleman shaking the president of the United States' hand. He was so proud of that thing. He was showing it to everybody. I get to church that Wednesday night because it was a Wednesday night. We were having services back then as a co- corporate congregation. And I walk in. People in the church like you had heard that I had heard the president. So they walked up to me one by one. The first one said, hey, I heard you got to hear the president today. How was it? I said, oh, man, he said some really great stuff. They said, did you shake his hand? I said, no, I didn't shake his hand. Okay. And they walked off. Next person came up to me and said, hey, hey, pastor, heard you got to hear the president. Pretty cool. I said, oh, it's amazing. Did you shake his hand? No, I didn't shake his hand. Oh, man, okay, well, whatever. This happened like four times. I couldn't believe it. By the time that evening came, I remembered what my pastor had said. So I stood up in front of our congregation on that Wednesday night, and I said, well, everybody heard. I heard the president today, and seems like everybody wants to know if I shook his hand, and I just want everybody to know, no, I didn't shake his hand. But my pastor said that if I were to be the president of the United States of America, I'd have to step down because I'm a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So no, I didn't shake his hand, but he didn't shake mine either. When you yield to God's will, you can be happy if you're not the big dog, if you're not the president. It's not about how high I can climb the ladder of success. It's about being in the center of God's will. That's what it's about. And when you yield to God's will, you're saying, I want what God wants more than I want my way. Number two, you must really believe that others are in a better position to advise you. What are the benefits of this wonderful counselor? This is one of the benefits. You you must realize and believe with all of your heart that, that others are in a better position to help you than you are. Most people don't believe that. Most people believe, look, I know me better than anybody else. I know what I should do. Yes, so and so told me, the pastor told me, my dad told me, my mom told me, but look, it's my life. And I see that crash and burn over and over again. I really do. Because I don't think God... Listen, others are more objective. So many have experience in life that maybe you don't have. Others may have your best interest in mind, whereas you're blinded by the situation. And so what we must do is realize that God has placed us in a community of believers with people who have experience and who have interest and and who are immersed in Scripture who maybe can open our eyes to things that we haven't seen because because of the fact that we've only seen it our way. Number two, number three here, you have to resign as chairman of the board of your own heart to understand the benefits of this wonderful counselor. Resign as chairman of the board. What do I mean by that? Here's what I mean by that. Let me put it in plain English. You are not the boss of you. It's almost offensive, isn't it? But it's true. If you're just finding out that for the first time this morning, wow, I'm glad you came to find out that you are not the boss of you. Guess who is the boss of you? Jesus Christ is. Amen. Should have got a couple of amens on that one. But we resist that because it just, that's not what we want to hear. Somebody else is in charge. Yeah, Jesus is in charge. He's in charge of your life. He is. You need to let him be. Can I tell you, even more important, you know, we, we think, well, I guess I'm number two, right? It's Jesus and then me. No, it's Jesus and then others. You're accountable to those in this faith community. We, we, we need to realize that I'm not the boss of me. Jesus is and you are the boss of me. In other words, I need to listen to what you have to say. Can can I tell you that I am here today 
because of the fact that some of you have spoken into my life during times where my life was spinning and reeling, when I was, when I was doing my own thing, when I was concerned about my name, my agenda, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just, again, confessing to you that I have not been able to navigate my way through life in my own wisdom. It hasn't gotten me very far. But when I listen to God, when I listen to others, it's amazing how, how, how farther I get down the road. My brothers and sisters in Christ, you play a big role in my life and in where I'm at as a pastor, a father, a husband, and a Christian. I submit myself to Jesus and I submit myself to the counsel of others. It's important. I'm glad I learned that. I'm still learning. Number four, another benefit. You must embrace the reality that the wonderful counsel of Jesus Christ, you must embrace this. Listen, that it comes from his word through his people. You don't want counsel to your flesh. You don't want that. You can't trust in the flesh. Amen. And the Bible tells us not to put our our trust in the flesh. You want people who will speak the word of God into your heart. That's what you want. That's what I want. I need people that will speak God's word into my heart. Then number four. Jesus Christ is the wonderful Counselor. Now let's talk about that word wonderful for just a moment because that word in the Hebrew really does not mean, it's not what we think it means. Normally we would describe the word wonderful or define the word wonderful as being, you know, awesome, great, phenomenal, you know, those types of words. But in reality, that word of the Hebrew means miraculous, which I think makes so much more sense in light of the fact that this is a word describing uh, that Jesus is a wonderful counselor. This is the kind of counselor he is. He is a miraculous counselor. He does things that no one else can do. Man, I'm amazed at what God can do when God's involved, when the word's involved, when God's people are listening, the wisdom of Jesus Christ applied to your life is like nothing else. It's like nothing else. It's supernaturally insightful. And you cannot afford, and I cannot afford to be making decisions in 2019 without a clear word from the miraculous counselor. 2019 is upon us, church. It's right there. It's right in front of us. Can I tell you something? I want 2019 to be a better year for me than it's ever been. I do. I desire 2019 to be the best year spiritually that I've ever had. And so in order for that to happen... I need the wonderful counseling of the Word of God. I need to immerse myself in the Scriptures. This past year, the, the, the method for which I did that was to read my Bible through in a year and have, I, I chose actually three or four devotionals that I was drawing from, from men of God who I have great respect for, who are much older than I, each one of these men, but one, one is younger, All three are older than myself by a couple of decades. I've been, I've been getting counsel from Chuck Swindoll through his daily devotionals. I've been getting counsel from Jack Graham through his daily devotionals and a couple of other men that I've been drawing from. And it's been a great year for me. And I think I've grown. And 2018 was a better year because of those things. But 2019, I'm, I'm changing the course of that particular method, not direction. I want to learn more. I want to grow more. I want 2019 to be a better year. So I'm immersing myself in scripture memory this year. 
I want God's word to be indelibly printed upon the tables of my heart. And therefore, I want to lead our church to memorize a few verses in the upcoming year. I don't know how many, maybe one a month, maybe less. I think if we learned 12 verses this year, we would be more than the average. Most Christians could not quote 12 verses in a Bible that has thousands of verses. We're so afraid to quote God's word, afraid we, we really don't know the whole verse or we, we've not been reading it like we should. I'm not being critical. I'm in that boat. That's why I'm joining you or I'm actually not joining you. I'm making this decision and challenging you to make a decision, I should say. What is it that you're going to do in 2019 to get some miraculous counsel from God? His word is awesome. It'll change your life. And the more you have insight into it, the more supernatural his wisdom affects your life. And I want to be a better spiritual leader. I want to be a better dad. So guess what? I've got to immerse myself in Scripture to find out what it takes to be a parent, a Christian parent, a godly parent who leads his family in, in prayer and, and devotion and service and, and being the kind of husband. I want to be a better husband. So I've got to love my wife like God loves the church so my kid can see a picture of God in me. Wow! What a, that is the way, the model that God has. His supernatural counsel to parents is this. Love your wife like I love the church so your kids can know God's love. That's God's method. That's what God says. That's God's wisdom. And if we'll do that, our kids will learn to love God, experience God's love because of our love displayed to our spouses. It's incredible. This all comes from God and it works. It works. It's amazing. Then number five, you can only call him wonderful counselor if you embrace his wisdom for your life. Now that word embrace, maybe I should have had that word as, as, the, as the fill of the blank word because honestly, that's the key to that phrase. You got to embrace it. Isn't it interesting how we sometimes fall short of embracing something that we believe? A lot of things we believe. Like for instance, most people in 2019 probably are setting some sort of goal with their bodies. You know, I'm going to exercise more. I'm going to lose five pounds or I'm going to get healthy. I'm going to get my cholesterol down. I'm going to get, you know, we've all got right. I mean, come on, 2019, January 1, that's a big day for people to look at their health differently. So we say this illustration, I'm going to go buy a piece of exercise equipment. It's going to be great. Have I embraced anything yet? No, no. My credit card went up, but that's about it, you know. And it's sitting in my in my room or in my den or in the back, you know, whatever. I've got I've got this piece of exercise equipment. And man, people come by and they look at it. Man, they say, "Man, that's awesome." Uh, you you so you work out? Well, not exactly, but I have purchased it. I have bought it. It is put together and it does work. Or maybe we say, oh, I'm going to go a step further. i tell you what I'm going to do. I'm not only going to buy the exercise equipment, but I'm going to actually talk to somebody who knows some things about a, a workout plan. I'm going to get on the Internet. I'm going to watch and I'm going to get down, download it or get a copy of it or write it out. And, and I, I, I'm going to do that. So we get it together. We've got our piece of equipment. We've got our actual plan that tells us what to do and how long to do it. But have we really embraced anything yet? We haven't embraced it until we begin to practice it. Until we actually get on the treadmill and turn it on and let it begin to work in our lives to produce the fruit for which we set out to accomplish. And simply I'm saying this, 
You can sit in a church and attend church all your life and die and go to hell. You can say, well, no, wait, 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 no, no, I, I came to church. That's not embracing salvation. Sitting in a church building on a church pew is not salvation. It's a good thing to do. It's profitable. It's helpful, but it won't get you saved. Let me tell you a little story. You never know how God's going to work. This week, my son hit a deer, a four buck, a four point buck. I, I uh, was called about 930 at night. You know, dad, man, I hit a deer. I think my, my car won't start. It's all messed up. And so I said, well, son, I said, you know, hang tight. I was at a college Christmas party, you know. I'm like, are you okay? Are you okay? I'm okay, Dad. It's raining, you know. He said, man, you know, somebody stopped. There's a couple here that stopped. They're helping me, Dad. Do you know them? No, I don't know them. They're just really nice people. Okay, hang tight. So I got out of that party, and, and uh, I called Joe and told him I'd call AAA. They were sending a, sending a, a, a uh, wrecker. Thank you, Sonia. <laughs> I need Sonia more than I, more than I realize. <laughs> she actually preaches half my sermon for me. She's holding up cue cards and you didn't know it. She just forgot to hold up record. Uh, <clears throat> and so the record came and, and, and he was just a good old boy, Arkansas through and through. I mean, big guy, big old beard, overalls. He's the, the guy you would think that a record worker would look like at 930 at night in Arkansas, you know. He gets out, hooks up the car and, it was tough because the car wouldn't go into neutral because of the damage. And he had to pull it up, you know. And he, he alone could have done this, I'm sure, with his experience. And he did. So I got out and he said, look, I need your AAA card. I gave him my AAA card. And he looked at it and he said, Capace. Like he knew me. And I said, he said, oh, yeah, all right. And he put everything in. And after he finished, I said, you know, I really think it would be better to take the car to my house than my son's house. Because my house is going to be closer to probably where they ultimately take the car. I said, so, I, you know, if that's, oh, yeah, I'll take it anywhere you want it. So he followed me to my house here, which is about three blocks from the church. And he, you know, began to get the car off the wrecker and, and put it there in front of my house. I walked up to him and I said, man, I really appreciate it. He said, well, thank you, preacher. I never told him I was a preacher. He said, preacher, I know who you are. Capace, I could never forget that name because you were preaching the morning that I got saved, my wife and I, we walked the aisle of your little old Baptist church on 3rd and South. My wife and I got saved one Sunday morning and we got baptized in a horse trough. That's how I knew he was telling the truth. Because we baptized our first 500 converts in a horse trough in the basement of a Baptist church. He kind of teared up a little bit and he said, man, I hate it for your son, but maybe God used that to get me back in church. He said, preacher, I, I'm ashamed to tell you, my wife, I'm still married. Praise the Lord. He said, but it's nothing I've done. He said, because I've been out of church and I know better. He said, preacher, I can't come this Sunday, but I'm going to come on the 23rd. He said, thank your son. I'm glad he's okay. Because maybe God's going to use this to get me back where I need to be. Isn't that cool? If God could use that, I'm sure Kim would be thankful. If Kim's going to be okay and going to get the help he needs and somebody in this building says you know what that woke me up that woke me up that was a moment that i'll never forget just like joe's deer accident this week he's okay joe's okay his car's not but who cares right who cares about a car i'd much rather have a man back in church and a car get fixed and the son be okay than i would anything else so i just tell you that to teach you there's a lot of wonderful counseling that god can do in a church service and he can use any situation he would like.
And by the way, I don't know of a much better man than that man that just fell down right there. Godly man, a good man, but a man <clears throat> who needs our prayers. Let's bow our heads, shall we? With our heads bowed and eyes closed.